Topo Athletic is committed to lifelong health and better movement. Topo builds running shoes for those who get out there every day regardless of weather, speed, energy, or mood. Their distinctive fit and feel combines instinctive human movement with modern performance and lightweight comfort to help you keep going, keep trying, and keep moving. Discover the Topo difference and step into a run experience unlike any other. Oh my goodness, we got this in like five seconds. <laughs> Too quick, huh? This is incredible. I, I love this so much. I didn't even get to mention how amazing our partners at Topo Athletic are. Uh, and to go out and check out the Topo Spectre if you're looking for an amazing road running show. But and before you go, I'm also going to make sure that people know that they are they have made uh, 400 special edition Chicago Marathon Topo Spectres. So if you're running the Chicago Marathon, go check out this. I'm not running Chicago Marathon, but I'm thinking about buying them because they look cool as fuck. Yeah, yeah, I might just buy them because they look cool. I mean, you're not going to get me on a road race. So, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I still can't wear them like people wear Jordans. So, hey, but, but Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Excited to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, before, before we get started and before we jump into the questions, we always start with the icebreaker question. You may or may not have heard this one before, uh, depending on, we've had people like look into the questions before, but. Let's see if you've heard this one before. Um, are you ready? Sure. Pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? Yay. Yes. <laughs> Boom. Sorry, <laughs> We were such good friends in the green room. You know, dude, hey, once you mentioned triathlon, it was off anyway. So I was like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am technically somewhat retired from triathlon, so I got to rebuild my reputation with you now. Hey. Well, and I haven't had pineapple on a pizza in a couple of years, so we can still be friends. It's cool. Ah, cool. <laughs> I love that. I love that. But you're at least team home for now, which uh, <laughs> I appreciate a lot. Um, but uh, diving into the questions, you know, before we jump into kind of some of the subjects around your life, uh, tell, tell the audience a little bit about who Brian Wolford is. Wow. I um. Uh, always been into running, nothing really competitive at all, a little bit in high school. Fireman for 30 years, paramedic, retired as a battalion chief. And when I retired, I was looking for something to do. So I started volunteering at uh, Destination Trail 200-mile races just because the shorter ones, you're only there for a few hours. So I thought 200s would be kind of cool to go wear. So we go camping for almost a week. And it turned into a cool thing. I got along with everybody, got in on some good rescues, and Candace ended up hiring me as her medical director, and now I'm doing some volunteer coordinating. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, I love that. And, I mean, I met you at a Destiny race, the Bigfoot 200, uh, just about a year ago, actually. Yeah. Through, exactly, friend, yeah. Uh, through our friend Jess Green. Thank Jess for that. Yeah, yeah, Jess is a good lady. I like her. Yeah, yeah, she's the best and those races are definitely an experience and you just get to like camp and be out there and um i really like the long stuff yeah it's, yeah particularly bigfoot it's really kind of out there and just so it's i don't know it's almost extreme tahoe and all those you still have lots of highways and roads and cities around you but bigfoot i love that race that's just way way out yeah so on the mountains um yeah. i wanted to take a step back and you mentioned uh you mentioned it and you've talked about it on a few podcasts before, so I wanted to dive into your time in the fire service and dive into a specific category in the fire service. Now, I've been told to ask, what are some of the funniest calls you've gotten while you were a firefighter? <laughs> is it PG? Yeah, is it PG or R? Or what are we talking about here? 
I'll let you surprise me, man. Man, surprise um, me. in there. Oh, God. There's so many funny ones, honestly. We've had, uh, I guess, think if I want to say some of them on the air, but um, we're, we're, we're not a, we're not a, we're not a PG show. We've had somebody ask before on the show, Brandon Hozak, if they curse because Jason cursed. <laughs> <laughs> say that on air. I'm like, yeah, we're not. Yes. Oh, God. God dang, guys. I, um, let's see. We, we had funny calls, you know, somebody's expensive parrot got out of a tree or got out of the window and went into a tree, so we had to go get him. <laughs> uh, a funny thing we would have a lot, we were in a, more of a retirement community, so a lot of the older women that no longer had mates would get injured when they were naked a lot. <laughs> so... All of a sudden, here comes three to four or five firemen, and and here's this lady laying naked on a bed looking at you because her hip's out of place or something else hurts. And we would have what we call uh, repeat offenders or frequent flyers, and we would get called a lot. Um, we even had sexual devices that have gone off in a drawer, and they can't figure out what that sound is, so we'd have to look through the house and find something. Another, and I don't mean to pick on the women, because guys have heart attacks doing weird things too, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I had one lady throw her actually throw her hip out of place using a uh, a massager, we'll say. So, oh yeah, no, and the sad thing is when you transport, what's well, sad? When you transport someone like that, you have to call the hospital at least you used to and give them an update what's going on, and to explain on the radio that this gentleman having a heart attack because he was masturbating prior to you get there or this lady threw her hip out or any number of things that the nurses would always watch us when we come in and just giggle and point at us so <laughs> yeah like, like what's it's, the what what's the facial expression on the patient when you walk in are they like is it red like a tomato like just pure embarrassment no, you would think that, but no most of them honestly would look you in the eyes to see your reaction. So I think some of them did it as a they were getting a kick out of watching us struggle with it. So, yeah. No, very few of them were embarrassed, at least outwardly weren't embarrassed. So maybe those those repeat offenders were just practical jokers. I totally think, yeah. We had one lady, she would always have a bath towel, but it was too short to cover the top and bottom. We'd try to cover her, her top, and then the bottom would get exposed. And it was just a game of back and forth with her and us pulling the towel back and forth. So, yeah. It, it, yeah, people do weird things when they get lonely. So when's the book coming out? Because you yeah. <laughs> no man, there's so much stuff I don't even I don't know where I would start. <laughs> oh man, um, I feel like we could do like a whole fireside chat or a whole fireside series oh. and just call the phone. Um, yeah, dive into there, uh, but I think I'm gonna move forward from this topic and I'm dive into. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking the many things it's best to move on dude <laughs> yeah on. oh and shout out to garrett who just joined the show hey garrett oh. garrett yeah i just gave him a wave uh garrett's watching right now um we don't know from destination trails um so the next question i wanted to ask you is you mentioned like where you got your start in running what gravitated you towards ultra running especially since You've done a lot of hundred milers and longer distance races. You just did the Sedona 125. What 
what made you gravitate specifically towards races and multi-day races? You know, I love backpacking and running and all that stuff. And I started doing uh, marathons in the early 2000s. And I got to the point where I could do it definitely always hard, but I could do a marathon without an issue. You know, I, I could go out now and run if I wanted. So it's like you kind of keep pushing the envelope. And when I first heard about the 100-miler, I'm like, oh, that's bullshit. Does anybody ever actually do that? So I started looking into it and found out, man, they do. So it's like, well, I started running and planning and figured I'd give it a shot. So, you know, running was always kind of a stress relief. It's like, man, if I could run 100 miles, that would be, that'd be pretty tough. So did it and was successful and really had a good time. Did you skip from the marathon to the 100 miler? No 50 milers, no 100 days in between? No, yeah, I went right up. I mean, I did some in my training, but yeah, I, the first time I ever met somebody that ran a 100 miler was at, at the Havelino when I lined up. I'd never met anybody that ever even done that before. So it was kind of cool. I like-minded people there. Do you, do, you, uh, do you have a favorite 100 mile race that you've done? You know, I love Havelina just because it's a party and my family can come there and they can set up and like Bigfoot's a pain in the butt. You know, people drive a thousand miles to crew that, you know, 200 miles, obviously, but Bigfoot, it's a party and everybody's having a good time and you see your crew every four to six hours. So I love that one. Yeah, I would throw Rocky Raccoon, which is in Texas, which is a similar uh, type of course where you're doing four 25 miles and so. So you come around, so you get, you get like that, but crewing is a lot able to get to those makes a lot easier the athlete and the fit. Yeah, I think, I think it's a cool way to do it. I love the extreme mountain stuff, but <laughs> if you're looking for a family crewing experience, you know, party, then something where you come around every few hours is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, especially with everybody lined up in costumes and just having a good old time. Um, oh yeah oh yeah my family always makes shirts and stuff for us and it's just a good time it's a lot of fun from a uh, standpoint would you prefer to go point, point or in a loop oh man i'm sorry jason you broke up bud would you prefer to go point to point on a race or would you prefer to go in a loop um that's a tough one probably a loop just because i know the uh logistics involved or less involved so yeah probably a loop yeah loop uh, so jason you're not a big fan of loops um well you're not a big fan of shorter loops uh, we just got him to do jackpot 50 mile or like back in march and he did not enjoy a minute of it and now <laughs> back to do across the years so oh there you go first right yeah. i would prefer a huge loop but yeah i hear you yeah like jackpot yeah if it's a 20 mile loop it's cool because you know three four five six hours come back around but jackpot on a two mile loop and then across the years on this one mile loop is going to be awful <laughs> yeah i've been thinking about across the years too and that that looks intriguing but it's also man a one mile loop my god <laughs> two three hundred times around that i don't know it's a lot more fun than it looks um you'll see me out there for six days if you're doing it <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking about. So maybe we can uh, commiserate in our pain together. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm thinking the life doing the last person standing. So uh, you know, I don't have to really worry too much about being out there for six days. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I don't know, man. I think I'd rather do a loop, but that's cool. You do you. <laughs> 15 minute last man standing. That doesn't sound, 
ideal. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Normally I wing this kind of stuff and I've, but I've already been strategizing on how, you know, nutrition and liquids and everything else. That's, that's how, uh, involved, I guess, in this particular event. I'm, I am way more than others. Wow. Well, good for you, you buddy. That's cool. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so since we're on the topic of races, you just did um, what I believe is your longest race, if I'm correct, just recently back in May, the Sedona 125. Uh, we do have an overlap here because Jason has done the Cocodona 250. So he's seen the 25 miles you've done. He's seen that in the back half. So different experiences, but nonetheless, similar course because they went back to the inaugural courses here. Uh, so talk about the Sedona 125 and how that experience was and some of the coolest moments. You know, it was, they had such a huge cutoff. I wasn't stressed about making cutoffs, which was kind of nice. I wanted, to, I wanted to do two things. One, I wanted to set a PR for my distance, and I love that part of Arizona. I also wanted to kind of mess with some of the sleep strategies because that's one of the things we have a lot of issues with at our races. So I thought, you know, I want to spend some time out there and sleep on the trail, try to sleep in an aid station, see how some of that works. So, so it's not just anecdotal when I'm talking to runners about it. But uh, the coolest part was when we were crossing the uh, Oak Creek, I think it was, or the stream that's outside of Sedona is uh, Scott Rokas. It was about three headland from the stream, and it was Scott was taking pictures, and we've been friends for a few years, and and that was cool. I crossed the stream and hung out. We talked for a while, and and then that horrendous climb up out of that canyon, but it was fun though. So yeah, it was good to see Scott and a lot of the photographers there, Anastasia and uh, Jason were also there. We love Anastasia. Got to see her at Broken Arrow. She's good. She's awesome. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's very cool. She was a bright spot in a lot of sections of the race. And then my family went out and crewed me along with one of my good friends. So yeah, it was fun. It was a blast. I saw them at every age station where we could, where they could have crew. So where, I don't know the full event. So where did where was the start and finish line for the Sedona? It's the 25, the Cocodona 250. So it starts in Sedona and it ends exactly where Cocodona ends in that. Yeah, it actually it started actually in Jerome and then ended. Yeah, so it was okay. Yeah, it was the that that section coming out of Jerome was a little rough going down that power line with the glass and the garbage and stuff. But yep, as I, I know you know, but uh, yeah, so yeah. Like when you first, like going into Jerome, when I did it, you're like, oh, this is a cool little town. When you leave Jerome and you go down to that little power line section, I was like, what is going on here? This, this <laughs> the town I just saw. I know. I was like, I got to be off course, but there was other people in front of me. So, all right, we're all off course then, man. Okay, we're good. So did you, did you guys, so then you had actually did have the aid station at the church in Sedona as yeah. well? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So cool because we had a cousins with a house right next to it so i went to the house had a shower and took a nap I was like, oh, oh this is you? my kind of racing fellas <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome during the race it also sounds like it could be a trap but if you can handle it then it's good yeah that it took more mental fortitude to get off the couch where i was napping than just about anything i've ever done after a shower but luckily it was only like what 30 40 miles into the race so i wasn't dead yet so <laughs> that had been a whole different story at 100 miles at, at when we were in Sedona, there's, uh, I forget the section, but all of a sudden we saw a headlamp coming at us. And I was like, ooh, this is good. And so I, <laughs> I'm like, are you on the right path? 
He's like, no, I'm lost. I'm back. He's like, are you guys on the right path? And I had the, you know, the, the course download to my watch. I was like, yeah, we're on the right path. He's like, cool. So he stays with us for a while. I've, I'm so tired. I lay down on like this slab of bedrock, take it for like 15 and he's gone. Right. <laughs> and then like three hours later, we see the guy again, but he's coming at us again. Like, <laughs> and he went around the course twice. So instead of Coca Donut 250, he must have done like Coca Donut 290. <laughs> or so bad. Like, dude, like, just stay with us until we get to a clearing where you know where you're at. Yep. Um, yeah, I ran into some people like that after the, the stream crossing. They didn't have it downloaded on their phones and they were lost and wandering. It's like, I'll get you to an aid station, but you need to you need to fix it because, oh, this is kind of wild out here. Yeah. Well, before I get into a topic that relates to that, uh, I have to say, if you're thinking about doing those braces, please download the GP file. There's a reason we check for that. There's a reason they check for that thing at the, the pickup. You know, it's like, have to know where you're going you have to have that on your phone it's it's amazing i mean i could go on a whole rant about how people get upset when you like call them out for a gpx file but i'm like for your safety but um speaking of safety and speaking of a guy doing the cocodona 290 what did you learn about sleep strategy in that race that you feel uh helped you out or did you learn like did you learn anything that did you learn anything that can help you out with sleep strategy or did you kind of throw things up against the wall and realize that there are things that might not work you know i i found trail naps work pretty decent for me i mean trail naps are more of a short-term solution five ten minutes for most people so i learned you definitely got to be prepared with warmth and bug protection that a lot of people kind of don't i kind of found you got to be off the trail a ways otherwise people are going to step on you or wake you up to see if you're okay every five minutes so you know and as far as like um sleep stations i already kind of had this one figured out but sleeping in your crew car if you can or getting as far away from the noise is going to be a big benefit too many people don't take earplugs don't take anything else and are kind of bummed out when they're sleeping in a tent right next to the aid station cooks and it's like so yeah, I learned a few things, got to experience it a little bit better, but as far as anything new, I don't know if anything new really came out of it, but at least I have firsthand experience now. Well, I can tell you for sure that I'd like the tip of like being able to be as far away from people as possible, not just because I'm an introvert, but like <laughs> sleep better when you're farther away from people. And uh, earplugs is a big one for sure. I didn't have earplugs in until like my later, later drop bags at Moab and I uh, because people will make all kinds of noises when they're in a sleep tent while they're sleeping and knocked out. I mean, <laughs> just Busted, man, they're snoring and making noises and talking. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just coming in there with their flashlight, looking for their runner. Like, are you, are you, in, are you? In? <laughs> oh yeah. Everybody's alarms going off every 10, 15 minutes. Cause it's time for them to wake up. Oh yeah. I feel for people like that. Yeah. Yeah. Earplugs important, but. Yeah, it's it's cool that you went in there not only to figure out your own sleep strategy, but just so that you didn't have to be anecdotal when you were talking to people uh, about sleep strategy. Because I, I think it's important like that. Just, I think runners, medical runners, make the best medical people. And there's there's a few things I've done, but there's almost nothing I've done to a runner that I haven't tried for myself. Like I'll tape my toes in different ways and walk around all day just to be like okay that doesn't feel right or that feels pretty good or this or that on my knees and stuff so 
I think you got to experience it before you can throw something on somebody and say, okay, now take off 20 miles into the mountains with this and hopefully it works for you. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, it's almost like, why should I do this? It's better than saying, why should you do this? Because I told you to, as opposed to like, why should you do this? Um, well, I've tried this and experienced this myself and I wouldn't recommend it to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have a lot more belief and faith in someone if they're like, no, I've been through what you're going through or I've done what I'm going to do to you. And it's like, all right. First-hand experience is the best. Yes. Yeah, so what you're saying is we should listen to the medical staff when when telling us, you know, how to do certain things. Yeah, it would be nice sometimes, and most people do. But yeah, it's like trust us. We we want to see everybody make it to the finish line. We don't want to pull anybody. So we talked about in the in the green room prior to the conversation, and so I'm glad this is coming up naturally. So. Um, like I mentioned to you, when I got to the top of Mingus and we go into that aid station cabin, the medical staff, the, the guy came right up me a series of questions. And it was conversational, right? It was nothing like um, accusatory in a sense. And so he must have felt comfortable that I could continue with the event. He walked away and I looked at my pacer and crew and I said, you know, that, that was a really cool conversation, but I get the feeling more about I continue because he's clear-headed and wanting to be my friend. Is that like the tips or one of the tricks that you use when you're, you know, leading the medical staff at the long destination trail races? Absolutely. I, I always put out a letter to the medical staff before the races and I do it myself. So I ask them to do it, but I always try to position myself where I can see the runner coming in off the trail and then five ten seconds without even speaking to them you can tell are they sharp are they looking around are they focused are they stumbling or so that'll give you that's the first bar they've got to clear you know if they just look like they're a zombie then you've got some more issues and stuff and then, yeah i was conversationally hey how you doing how's your race going man you're looking strong and they'll either be like you're full of shit or you know i'm feeling pretty good so you know you want to you want to make people feel good about themselves and so yeah, just a quick and can tell you almost everything you need to know about a runner. How do you how do you then approach somebody who you can tell within those first five or ten steps coming off the trail? We, we're probably going to have to take them off the course at this point because most endurance athletes aren't thinkers at that moment, right? I've trained for sixteen weeks. I've trained for a year. Whatever it is, I want to finish. Like, how do you? balance that approach to, to being like, sorry, but your day is done. Usually I give them a little bit of space. I'll step back and see how they do getting their food and drink order. And then I'll go over and just sit down next to them. Not so much as a medical, but kind of as a friend, you know, which is an awkward thing that short of a time frame. but sit with them and start talking to them and say, Hey, you, you, how'd you doing? You know, your stomach seems a little off or you're this or that. I noticed you're not eating or you look out of it and try to get a conversation going. If it's just them and they don't have a crew, I'll start. It's very rare. I'll pull someone just based on how they look coming in. Sometimes I've said, you know, I need you to sleep for 45 minutes and then we can have a conversation again. But I always try to leave the decision up to them that, I'm concerned about you. I noticed this. I've seen it before and it doesn't go well because you've got X number of miles left. So get some drink, get some food, get some sleep, and let's talk when you get up. Many times 
you can see in their eyes they want to quit if they're if they know that they're broken, but they don't want to pull the plug. And I've actually said to a few people, I'll make the decision for you if you don't, you know, if you don't want to. I don't mind doing that, but I'll be honest with them. I've never BSed anybody. If I think they need to get pulled, I will tell them, I really think you need to get pulled. If you were my wife, my son, my daughter, my loved one, I would pull you from the race because there's always another race going ultra sign up and sign up as soon as you get to the hotel room but you can't get your health back or your body back if you break it at this one race Absolutely. and if they have a crew it's even better many times crews already understand they've got to be included in the conversation because sometimes they know that their runners been practicing for two years and spent thousands of dollars but and i've had arguments with them sometimes but you take them aside and say look at this they're going to to have a hellish experience they may or may not probably won't finish and they're going to do irreparable damage to their body and i've never had a crew yet that doesn't come back and say you know you're right that, that that's a good call you're right absolutely are you more apt to people get pulled early on they just expended so much energy to get to a certain point or or the end of the race as they get closer to the finish and I'll probably this. The first you know, year Cocodona, the year I did Cocodona, like getting up Lane Mountain was horrendous. Yeah. Like, just horrendous, right? And so in my head, I'm thinking at that point, I could see people being waving the white flag and getting out of there. But if they were able to recover and scoop, the rest of the race in comparison was more benign. Not benign at all, but more benign. Than, than that climb oh, yeah. so i wonder if if you're if you would see in your thought process people dropping earlier they just expended so much energy versus later in the race when it's like yeah i could get through this last 20 30 40 miles yeah it's you see a lot of people drop at the beginning because of that they push themselves too hard and um, i was called thinning of the herd and i don't mean that derogatory at all but you get a lot of people that aren't prepared, a lot of people that don't have experience racing long distances, and they go out way too hard and they can't come back. And the first 20 miles, you're going to see that's going to come to uh, come to the top pretty quick. So at the beginning of the race, we'll get them to expend themselves too hard or they get trauma. And then at the end of the race, it's sleep deprivation. But as far as pulling people, more so at the front of the race, probably 60, 70 percent of the people I pull are at the, in the first 20 miles of a race. So let that be a lesson to all of you that are watching and listening. If you're in a 100-miler, 200-miler, it's a long, long race. Save yourself the, the heartache of having to drop early on and give yourself a chance to finish the entire race by just going slightly slower. And see, that's it. When I did the, the Sedona Canyons in any race I do, it bugs me as a, you know, a tough guy fireman but I like being at the back of the pack because I know as long as I got my cutoffs down, I know that I'm saving as much energy as possible. And I just got to get through that first day, that first hot period. Cause it seems like all races start on a hot freaking day <laughs> and then I can come back and I'll usually be in the middle or upper half of the pack. But if you blow it all out the first half of the race, you can't get that back. There's just not enough time for the most part, in most races. Oh, it's, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, like, it's crazy how many times you have to bring up the point that you have to treat in a hundred mile or the first 50 miles is the warm up. The last 50 miles is the, when you get to mile 50, that's the actual start line. 
the way that's the way I'm seeing the 200. Yeah. Like the first 100 miles is a frolic in the woods, which my coach Peter Mortimer was like, "Yeah, I know that sounds crazy, but the first 100 miles you're hiking, yep. um, and then the last 100 miles is the actual race." But it's amazing how many people I've seen go out, myself included, like go out and you know, Jason, we talk about it all the time, all gas, no brakes. I've been up definitely the only place I've gotten this all gas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And that's it, man. We do. She's like in pain. But um, I always tell people just survive the first day. You know, after there, it's going to get better. But just survive the first day and then get to the night. And then you can start owning your race. But if you if you kill yourself in the first 30, 50 miles, nothing else is going to go right there. It's going to be a terrible experience. Yeah, with the athletes I coach, I always tell them for 100 miles, the race doesn't start until the 100K mark. Yeah, and you don't have energy. Your K mark, those, because you're at that point there for a number of hours. You conquered sixty miles, and your mind is like, "Yeah, but you got forty more to go." It's like, <laughs> what? And so, if you've already all your math, and you get to that point, man, those miles are going to be really, really rough. Oh yeah, no, and that's yeah, that's a good way to put it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's a shame though. People do it all the all time. That uh, that brings up the topic that we were talking about in the green room, and I'm gonna try to bring this up as diplomatically as possible, but also, um, also we don't mind a little bit of controversy, so I'm totally okay with it. Uh, just talking about, let's call it influencers. We see it all the time on social media. They have like their squares. They're posting their workout. They're like 24/7, stay hard, keep hammering, working their butt off, and then. You have people who take that and show up, you've seen it yourself, show up to these races. Like, I'm not calling out anyone in particular. I'm just talking about objectively the things that I've seen and objectively the things that you've seen. People going out who have done nothing more than a half marathon, going out and doing a 200 mile race and then blowing themselves out with this sort of like this tough guy mindset. Um, talk about, that and your experience with that and what you have to say to people doing that you know and that's the tough thing because they do that because social media is somewhat it's only the good shots you know and i i have yet to really see a social media influencer show up to a race where the race report matches what i saw during the race and and i don't care i really don't care but i feel bad one guy sticks in my mind a gentleman showed up to Moab a couple of years ago, had only run a half marathon, obviously not in shape for 240 miles, but he had the shirt on and all that. And I'm going to stay tough with it. And he dropped within 20 miles and, and we took care of, we made sure he was safe. But when that gentleman goes home and looks at his daughter, his wife, himself in the mirror, that's a gut punch. And it's based on a social media influencer that doesn't do what they say they do. Uh, it's just a lot, and it's sad because people think all I've got to do is get there and be tough and suck it up and I can get through anything. When the social media people, they don't do it either. They sleep, they go to the bathroom, they get sick, they get lost, they get injured just like everybody else, and they drop and they DNF just like everybody else. But when it comes out later on, it's like, I didn't or I did or whatever. It's like, none of that's true. Everybody, Everybody's human. Everybody's got to breathe. They've got to eat. They've got to pee. They've got to sleep. And for people to base a race or their life on that, 
it's sad because a lot of people are looking for that idol and it's like you got to be your own idol you know you got to do your own thing whatever it is that you can do you do that but don't base it on social media and so many people have just gone through hell because they're not as tough as some of the social media people and it's like that dude's not that tough either you know <laughs> and i don't mean that bad because a lot of them motivate people to get out there which is great but it should be tempered with yeah i went and did this race i dnf'd it or i got injured and i slept and i came back nothing wrong with that i have far more respect for someone that says that than i didn't do any of that and i ran through the whole thing blindfolded on one leg and kicked everybody's ass it's like no you didn't i, I saw you so shut up so. yeah we like we're big believers in in showing the behind the scenes ohm has posted a number of times all of the dirt maps that we're taking in the middle of these races and yeah. um you know it's oh, it can i just say amazing dirt naps before you continue um, <laughs> proud of the, all the pictures that were taken of me at Cocodona. Like, right before we were to climb Eldon, I found this awesome tree, bunch of pine needles, and I was like, I am going to take a nap right now. Because uh -huh. I know two, three, four hours to go up that mountain, and I need 20 minutes, right? Like, I still climbed the mountain. I still got to the finish line. See, that's it. Oh, yeah, that was a hell of a climb, too, on Eldon. Uh -huh. I hated that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, there were people that and then look they didn't start in King black canyons at all i get it like they're they're on eldon and they're doing their thing on the weekend but there were people walking past me and hiking past me on eldon that weren't even breathing heavy and i was like what the fuck are you people human like i'm dying getting up this mountain i i can't i did eldon for training while i was on flagstaff and even that was like Oh my God, like, how do you people do this like 200 miles or whatever miles into a race? Oh, yeah, God, yeah, no, you're 250 miles climbing Eldon. That was hard enough after 100 miles, 110 miles, but oh, that's a gut punch. Yeah, well done. Speaking about the, the tough conversation and, and the I'm tough, so one of the, the t-shirts I've been telling Ohm we're going to start selling is you stay tough, I'm going to take a nap because <laughs> like that, <laughs> like, you go do your thing. I'm going to go take a nap. You know, like I, you know, I, I don't have to worry about staying tough or staying hard, shall we say. Yeah. And that's a good shirt, man. Just because so many people feel like you got to be a, got to be a badass to do anything in life, accomplish anything. And it's like, man, I have as much respect for the last person that finishes the race as the first person. And in many ways, more respect for the person that's dead last because they've had to hang on through some, part of my French do some shit through that whole race for days longer and they're still there doing it. So if I had to pick a race to watch, I'd come watch the last like four hours of any race any day. That's that's inspiration. Oh golden hour's the best. Yeah, absolutely. I remember one time I, I paced that Bandera in Texas and our runner finished the race, went back to the cabin, ate dinner, hours, slept, woke up to leave the next day and still saw people course and that's when it really hit me like these people are here for 25 30 hours for this 100k where our athlete finished in like 13 14 15 i don't remember the time but to to have the ability to mentally go through those next 10 hours because you don't get right so the mile that you get 15 minutes early in the race but it's still a mile so you got to battle that mentally and so yeah i i my my hat goes off to to the people that are 
out there, you know, even if they were intending on 15 hours and finishing it or planning on finishing it 30, kudos to them because that, that is not an easy thing to go through. No, that, that's uh, the thing about ultra and it's as much a mind game as it is a physical game. You've got to have some stick to it in this and, oh, and you guys know it's like life, man. You're going to have your low points where you're crying and then 30 minutes later you're giggling and laughing watching the sunrise and then 30 minutes after that you're crying again. It's like... It's just all the emotions and to be able to hang on for another, like you said, 48 hours after the first get person finished. That's amazing. That's some stick to it. That's some strong people that aren't on social media and aren't bragging about it. They show up, they do it, they get their buckle and they leave. And it's like, man, that's, those are my idols. You know, people that just don't quit no matter what, what gets thrown their way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bigfoot last year, just watching, she was on our show Mackenzie, if you remember, Jason, uh, Mackenzie Bartholomew, she was the DFL finisher last year at Bigfoot. That was a whole lot of emotions. A couple years ago, uh, I had the honor of watching Natalie Bickers finish with two seconds to spare. And that was crazy, wasn't it? That picture, I don't know who took that picture, but that is an iconic picture. Just the wave of emotions on her face. She's just like, <laughs> wow. She has so many emotions running on her face, but I think it's... half the people in the crowd are crying too, because yeah. you know she's coming down the driveway. It's like there's no way she's gonna make it. It's too close, and to be that far into the race and still running hard, mm -hmm. oh man, that's impressive. It's no joke. That's like pushing every boundary, just sprinting. I mean, and even just like seeing a guy just like come through, like Cocodona 2022. I remember it was an older gentleman with the big backpack. He was like hunched over. He could barely like stand up when he got there and just needed to lie down. And everyone was there. Jamil was there. And it was just a party. I mean, yeah. it's one of the things I love the most about this sport. And I do agree with you that the last people, to me, like the first people are amazing and pushing the boundaries. I love Mike Knight and I love oh, yeah. all those guys. The last person was the person who was out there gritting it the longest and enduring. And as a result, yeah punches yeah yeah it's amazing it really is it's a cool thing so awesome sport like that man from front to back there's a lot of a lot of winners i and i would throw in you know if you have the chance to go to a iron man finish line in that golden hour too you know from 16 hours to 17 hours that that, that is just an amazing finish line just like 100 miles to 100 k's as well like those athletes have so much to get themselves to your point, you know, stick to it. If it's, it's hard me while I get emotional because having seen those faces and the families that are celebrating and the friends that are celebrating them, it really is an amazing thing. And, and let this be a lesson to all of you that are listening. Go volunteer. Go get, go see what this stuff is about. You'll be so inspired by that story um, that you'll want to keep going back out and doing it too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. You go volunteer, you really see it and spend some time with the people in the aid stations or at the finish line. It it reaffirms my faith in humanity. A lot of cool people volunteering their time and are there just to help someone they've never met get across the finish line. It's like, that's cool. That's very cool. I'm emotional, man. Yeah. <laughs> man. Uh, I just love these, these sports. I mean, especially ultras. I mean, just man it's not just why we started the business was to get stories from people who are in the middle of the back of the pack because 
you can go to a lot of publications and get the story of the person who runs a five mile and finishes an Ironman in eight hours or a hundred miles in hours. But they're not like us, right? That's not yeah. who we are. So when we read stories about someone who's doing their first hundred miles, is it in 31 hours, 59 minutes, 58 seconds, two seconds before the cutoff? Like, I want to hear that story. I want to have bread and coffee with that person and hear their story. Yeah. And so that launch this business exactly for that reason. Well, that's cool. Good, good for you because that's a story that needs to get told, in my opinion. You know, not like you said, the elites are incredible people, and I, I jealous of all of them. But I'd much rather hang out with the person like Natalie Bickers and talk to her about that, about her race, because that's impressive. That's that's also rare in society. It seems like you know everybody, everybody shoots for comfort, but they're her and everybody else at these races like no i'm gonna throw myself into it i'm gonna be uncomfortable for days and i'm not gonna quit man that's cool just uncomfortable for, for days fighting cut off after cut off i mean i can't even imagine the mental fortitude it takes to be doing something like that oh yeah no that would that would mess with me to know you've got an hour left in your miles from the finish line after like oh hell no <laughs> uh, no jess and i talk about that all the time even a couple hours ahead of the cutoff like we gotta get out of here yeah. jess will be like six hours and be like the cutoffs on the cutoffs <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like jeff yeah <laughs> <laughs> um well you know thank you so much for being on the show brian uh but before we go we're gonna jump into the rapid fire section which like jason said is mostly about food and jason is the one with the passion for food as we've seen in food fight friday which you can see every friday uh so jason i'm gonna let you take over to rapid fire awesome. so we already discuss the pineapple on pizza let's see if you can redeem yourself Emo. <laughs> all right man i'll give my best shot oreos are you, you an old g guy the normal ones or are you a double stuff guy i'm the og guy yes <laughs> licorice are you a fan of licorice no no not at <laughs> no no <laughs> i love it candy corn is candy corn a real candy or is it earwax covered in sugar earwax and sugar. <laughs> peeps. Are peeps a real candy or are they just uh, a dust ball covered in glitter? Yeah, I'm going with the dust ball, buddy. No, it's not candy. Are you creamy or crunchy peanut butter guy? Crunchy. All the way. Yes. Extra crunchy. Oh, yeah. roll. <laughs> Is a hot dog a sandwich or a taco? Whew, that's good. I'm going to go with sandwich. Yes. <laughs> Is Red velvet cake and actual flavor, or is it just chocolate cake and red food dye? Chocolate and food Yes! <laughs> you guys are friends again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Brownies, nuts or no nuts? Uh, no nuts. Corner piece or or edge? Or or centerpiece, center, excuse me. Centerpiece, all oh, right. You're on such a roll. Oh, dude, you almost had <laughs> me there. <laughs> What's the ultimate brownie? So you've got a centerpiece with nuts, with ice cream on it. What's the ultimate brownie for you? Uh, it would be almost too hot to touch, gooey centerpiece with some vanilla ice cream. Nice. Yeah. We'll go back to the red velvet cake. What's your favorite cake? Uh, it would have to be like a chocolate cake with chocolate icing. Nice. Yeah. Your favorite ice cream? Ooh. Probably like a good quality chocolate chip ice cream. I, 
and that's being elitist, but I actually got my own ice cream maker now. So I'll take like Giro Deli chocolate and mm-hmm. shave it and put it in with it now. So I have. Oh, so so not pretty really fancy. more like chunks or, or shavings, not actual chips. Uh, yeah, more like shavings, yeah. What's your favorite candy bar? <sighs> it it kind of depends on the temperature. If it's cold out, I love like a Snickers. If it's hot, then I love a payday. Nice. So the last question, you just finished Sedona 125 and sure there's plenty of food there, but when you finish a long event, what are you hungry? What are you uh, hankering for? What is it that you want to have right there? It's always fried chicken and I don't know why, but always fried chicken. Just fried chicken, no mashed potatoes and corn? You know, it's just taking up too much space, just the fried chicken, that's all <laughs> I want. <laughs> Leg, thigh, breast, wing? <laughs> Oh, I actually, I'll eat it all. As long as it's crunchy, uh, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> that, that that checks out for somebody who's just finished a long race. <laughs> yeah, I'll eat I'm it. not particular. All right. Well, you, Brian, you, you answered all the questions perfectly right. Appreciate well, thank you. We look, we look forward to it. So, by the way, if you're just joining us right now, the show will be on our here in a moment. But it'll also be on our website by Friday of this week, as well as on our podcast owned by when? Probably by Wednesday. Awesome. Brian, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the last. All right. Thanks, guys. It's been a blast. I appreciate it very much. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 Bye.